dissecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. Ha <laughs> ha created for such a time as this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> there is more. He said, what? But if we, if we can learn a new word in our vocabulary, and the new word is restoration. And here's the thing about restoration. Restoration does not sell as well as rapture because anything that you can sprinkle fear on it, it will sell a lot better, right? So here's, here's a note. I can sell a, a, a book called um, uh, God Loves You, God is Madly in Love With You, or I can sell a book um, called uh, 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 Four Ways to Find Out If You're a Sorcerer. Or, or four, no, four ways to find out if your if your pastor is a sorcerer, and this is what I know: um, the book on finding out if your pastor is a sorcerer is going to sell five times more than you being loved by the Lord because it, it triggers your fear muscle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I got I got friends um, that have done a lot of work with with, and their articles get renamed. Um, to be way more terrifying because when they split test them, the terrifying titles will get three to four times as many readers as the optimistic titles. So same article, make the title negative um, and trigger people's fear muscle and, they will, and they'll click on it because everybody wants to know if their pastor isn't secretly a warlock. Yeah? <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes you wonder, right? Like, why is he wearing that pointy hat with stars on it? So... So everyone just say restoration. 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 It's a new word in our in our in our vocabulary, and it's so and it's so beautiful. And um, and this is what I find fascinating. I find Romans chapter eight fascinating. Let, let's look at um, uh, verse nineteen. For the creation waits. Everybody says waits. Wait. It waits um, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. But because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together that all, you know, basically, you know, um, how many of you, okay, so just, all creation is groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Has anyone ever experienced childbirth? Or just me? Okay. Um, it's, 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 it's noisy, it's violent, and there's, like, there's, there's not a lot of love until the child comes, okay? I did one of the classes. Have you heard of these classes that they do to prepare you for your first child? We we did a, we only did it for our first child, okay? Um, and they give you all these different techniques and stuff. And like the husband's taught, like this is how to help your help your wife when she's going through the most traumatic thing in her whole entire life. This is how to how to how to be there for. Her. So Andrea is in our first child, and that she was in labor with Abigail for almost for almost twenty four hours. We were we were at the point where they, they almost did a C section. In fact, the doctor even broke his own his own rules, and and I won't get into all the details of that. But I'll tell you this: I tried to do the stuff that they taught that they taught me in the, in the class, and um, and Andrea yelled at me. And I can talk about this because she's not here. Like she was like you know she was like. Stop talking! Like, I'm like, it's okay, baby, the baby's coming, the baby's just breathe, breathe. She's like, stop 
right? Like, and I'm like, okay, what did you do? She's just like, oh. Like, I don't want to see them. Right, like, you know, and, uh, it, and like, like, here's the thing. Childbirth is um, violent, it is intense, it is, unless you're one of these, because there are these women that, like, that's not like that. Like, we got women in our church. We got one mom in our church, she didn't even know she's having a baby. She just was like, oh, wow, baby. <laughs> like a stork dropped in, right? I don't know. But for, for, for most people, right? Like, like, and, if, and if you've ever been in the, in the hallway in the hospital where there are multiple births and you hear, now I want you to put yourself on this earth where all of creation is going through that. Like, this is what Paul says, that all of creation, that, that everything that breathes, that, like, that everything that's alive and living, that, uh, that, that it is feeling the pains of of childbirth that it's 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 ah, there is this there's this this groaning this this travail and you say what for like why and it's because all of creation remembers because all of creation because of the remembrance of the garden and if we're going to know, like, what is what is beyond look like? Like, what is entering into the days of the unprecedented look like? What does it look like um, for a greater things generation? What does it look like? Um, in order to get to the future, we're going to have to go back. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of people think that Revelation is the end, okay, the end times. But the truth is that Revelation isn't the end; it's the beginning. Because where does Revelation take us? It takes us back to the garden. And a lot of people think that Genesis is the beginning. Well, how do you know that there was a lot of stuff before Genesis? The Genesis is almost more like the end, and Revelation is more like the beginning, because this whole thing isn't like a great timeline, beginning and end. It's more like a circle that spirals. So, where are we going, Derek? Like, what is, like, and the thing is, the problem is that we, like, we, we, we read books on the history of revival, so that... And that's good. That's cool. It shows us some of the incredible things that's happened. But what, what that does is it frames, it constructs for us a revital box. And what we say is that if, it, if, if what we experience doesn't look like what happened in 1904, right, then it must not be revival. Or if what we are experiencing right now doesn't look like 1994, then it's then it's not then it's not revival. But here's the thing: God's generals can't be the grid by which we say this is revival and this isn't revival. I was on a panel one time and people were like, hey, "Like, what is true revival?" And and uh, and and the person on the panel used the last hundred years of church history to say this is what revival looks like. The problem is is that God doesn't have a big Xerox machine up in heaven. Right? Where he says, uh, you know, and sometimes that's what we think. Like, we're going to do a big, we're going to do a big conference. Okay? All right. All right. And what are you going to do at the conference? We're going to call it Azusa Repeat. Azusa Repeat. Okay. What, and what are you blaming God for? A repeat of Azusa. And, and the problem is, is that Azusa was not a repeat of anything. <laughs> Why? Because when Azusa actually took place, God did a new thing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right? What are you going to do? We're going to believe God for a repeat of the past. Okay, but how do you know that what this world needs? Let me just say it again. Creation is groaning and waiting not for another Azusa. That's right. 
Not for another uh, Latter Rain revival. Not for another Toronto. Not for another repeat of Seattle Center in 9497. No. Creation is groaning and waiting, okay, for the restoration of all things. And the kind of restoration that is made manifest through the sons of God executing justice on the earth. Yeah. So you can get a prophetic glimpse of what this looks like. You can get a glimpse of, of what, because true revival, okay, historically and biblically, always leads to restoration. And that restoration always has a reflection of the garden. I just gave myself goosebumps. Like when you look at um, when you look at um, uh, 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 Azusa, the, 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 the original Azusa, and you look at what God did there, and what, what happened? Waves of missionaries started coming out of L.A. Right? Waves of missionaries, and they believed if they spoke in tongues, then they had the indigenous language of some tribe. And, and with no money, no resources, no nothing, they would get on boats, one-way tickets to faraway places with nothing but their prayer language. To do what? To spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they believed that they could go into these indigenous head-hunting tribes and turn those catastrophic, um, chaotic environments into Edens. So how many of you want to? How many of you want to go where no man has ever gone before? Yeah, then we're going to have to go back to get to the future. Back to the future. That'd make a good movie. So we see in. Um, so let's go back. Let's go back to Genesis. Um, Genesis one twenty six. I'll read it to you. Um, God says, check it out. Let us make man in our own image and likeness. So that they, speaking of us, may execute kingdom rule dominion over all creation. That's where we're going. <laughs> That's where we're going. We're, we're going back to the future. That the end times are actually the beginning times. Yeah. Yep. That in the beginning... God said, let us make man in our own image, not so that they can have nice homes and 401ks and great retirements. No, let us make man in our own image so that they can execute heavenly dominion upon the earth. Isn't that amazing? In Genesis 1.31, God looks down on everything that he made. And you know what he said? It is good. Like, it is good. And here he created... Um, a species that's different than any other species that he made. Why? Because unlike the antelope and the bear and the dinosaurs, he created a species that were living in two dimensions at the same time. The Tronosaurus rex was earthbound. The Tronosaurus rex did not... Because we all know that there were Tronosaurus rexes, right? Am I the only one that's excited by that? Yeah, my mother is excited. Let's talk about. It. Let's talk about. It. No, let's go back to the, now. Let's ever play book to be on. Um, no, okay. So, um, all right. 
the dinosaurs, okay, let's, let's just say with the raccoons. Like the raccoons and, and squirrels, they did not go for long walks with God. God created a species in his, in his own image and likeness to train them to walk in the kingly nature of God. He said, I'm going to create humanity in my own image and likeness so that they can execute kingly dominion over, actually, he says, all creation. Just say all creation. All creation. You guys, the kind of revival of restoration that we're talking about is not just going to take place in church buildings. Why? Because we're going to get a revelation that we have dominion over all creation. That's right. Come on. And it's going to get really wild. Come on. You know? And, 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 uh, and, and let, me go, let me just say this. Why is it that it's like the non-Christian mystics that are offering resources for animals? Like I said, like, like this person will talk to your dog, right? And, 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 and do all this spiritual stuff with your pet. Because um, non-Christian mystics have an understanding of spirituality and all of creation. But most Christians um, uh, don't have any sort of ethic for all creation because... Because they, they just see everything through their own individualistic lenses. So they believe that everything just terminates on individuals, us, and our, our place and our space. Yeah, which is why when you talk to even the crazy Christian mystics, people like Bobby Connor, who has um, animals coming and talking to him. Like whenever I, like I love asking Bobby, like we'll be sitting down and say, Hey Bobby, tell me, tell me animal stories. And he'll just start telling me all these crazy, all these crazy animal stories, you know. And um, and even when you read, I'm sure as you have, even the Christian mystics of the days of old, like that was a normal, that was a normal thing. So where we are going is back to Genesis. It's back, back to the garden. And here you have a species. They're living in two realms at the same time. That um, that that he bless you, bless you, bless you. That that a humanity. Okay, we are the very we are um, we are hybrid beings. Hybrid being um, two-part beings in that we were created to live in heaven and on earth at the same time. Do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. As Paul said, you've been seated with Jesus yet in heavenly places. You know those, you know those different verses. The problem is the fall. Okay. And, um, when the fall happened, you have all this, be- like you have God saying Genesis, Genesis 31, it is good. But um, how many of you know that, that when you watch the news today, um, most of you will say, that like that is not good. Yes. Now praise the Lord, you live in Canada where you don't have any issues. But in America, when we watch the news, we're like, whoa, this is not good, right? If you are on the left, you'll be like Trump. Have you guys heard of this? Our, our president, President Trump. Um, yeah. So there, like, there's a lot of people that you might not know this, but there's a lot of people that every time he tweets, they're like. This is not good. And then there's a lot of people on the right, a lot of, you know, a lot of Christians every time, you know, they're, they're like, they, they, they look at Trump and they're like, he is good. What's, what's not good is the press. The media is not good. And you have all these people, but everybody's looking around. And, and very few people are saying it's good. Very few people are looking at the earth right now and saying it is good. But let me tell you something. There will come a point in history. There will come a point in time when God looks at the earth and says, it is good. And let me ask you this question. Whose responsibility is that? 
He said, I will create mankind in my own image and likeness, and they will have a job to do. To execute kingly dominion upon the earth and see to it that the goodness of God is maintained and established and enlarged. That is your job. It is my job to get a revelation of kingdom dominion and how the goodness of God is to be applied and massaged on the earth within all of culture so that, because check it out, guys, in the same way that all creation gets it, that all creation is looking back over the timeline of, 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 of humanity and it's longing to be back in the in the garden. Jesus, when he prayed, he, the disciples said, you know, it's like, how many of you have ever seen the, the sound of music? And like, um, you know, dear, and like, and like these little kids are like, but we don't know how to sing, right? And that's what she's like, well, I'll teach you how to sing. And then they all start singing in like seven part harmonies and dancing and they're in the hills like this is what happened when like the disciples are with Jesus and he's like, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And the disciples are like, hold on, but we don't know how to pray. So Jesus is like, well, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, our Holy Father, we know right where you live, right? Like, and then, like, then all the disciples are singing and stuff, right? So he says, you know, so we have the prayer of Jesus, and he says, pray like this. Um, your kingdom come. Everyone say, your kingdom come. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's, what's Jesus saying? When you pray, pray this way that we will go back to that, that Genesis 31, that, that Genesis moment, that when you pray, pray this way, that we will come into the time when the Father says it is good again. Jesus says, well, when you pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. You're praying for the restoration of all things and pray it this way that it would happen in your lifetime, even though Jesus Jesus knows it's not going to happen in their lifetime on the earth. He establishes it as an apostolic prayer. This is a building block prayer that we still pray to this day. But many of us, when we say heaven come, we are only thinking of it, thinking of it in our six by six revival box. That we say heaven come, we're just thinking of some sort of revival culture as it's been defined by a church and ready versus how is it defined? in the Bible in Genesis 1 in the place where God looks down and says it is good that's what revival looks like the revival true revival is the lion laying down with the lamb and, and not and not wanting to eat it like like true revival and awakening is there's no more crime in your city it's it's it's, it's, it's gay marriage is legal but but there are no more gays in your city why because they love Jesus and Jesus loves them and every and there's Things are legal, but people aren't engaging with it because the spirit of truth and righteousness is being applied and advocated. And what does that look like? It's the righteous of God. It's the sadiq. It's, it's the priest of God that are living on the earth and they're cultivating this place of loving mercy, doing justice, 
walking humbly with the Lord. It's natural, it's supernatural, and it's this grid, it's this, it's this worldview that I'm so excited because it's like everything's changing and shifting in the church. And I love good meetings, and I love, I love all of this, but um, I believe that the purpose of good meetings is to build good theology and to bring you to just enough encounter, to just enough experience that you have your own faith to engage with God when you're at home so that when we gather, we are sharing the testimonies of the glory and the faithfulness of God as it's being applied through our hands, to your hands and feet. Yes. Yeah. So in order to see where we're going, we've got to see where we've been. Back into the garden and realizing that at the fall, that we didn't just see the corruption of creation, we saw the installation of the great firewall to deem us restricted to one location. You know what I'm talking about now? That before Genesis 3, before the fall, there was no firewall. We existed in two places. There was no, there was no um, door between heaven and earth. There was heaven and earth in union together that the Lord put a garden in Eden. That Eden wasn't the garden in Eden. He put a garden that was the convergence point. That was the threshold where heaven met earth. And then after the fall, the Lord installs the locked door, the firewall, and now condemns humanity to be, to be stuck to one location, the fall, lame. And it ruined everything. And on that note, I want you to have a great day. Go and be good Christians. Recycle. Be moral. Don't have sex until you're married. And we'll see you next year. God bless you. No, the story doesn't end there. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, not just to give you salvation, but to come and to burn the curtain, to come and to remove the veil, to come and remove the firewall that our spirituality would be restored back to Genesis 1, back to the garden we go. But you have to know what's available lest you settle for a post fall spirituality and a BC Christianity that you are living in AD time, that you are living in an after he died time you're living in a post firewall era, therefore now there's no more separation so we cannot live like, like, like the generations in the days of old looking for prophets to say he's coming, he's coming do you guys realize that for generations they had prophetic conferences called he's coming and it was Isaiah, you guys Go to conference. Isaiah is actually there, and Jeremiah is actually go there. And what's funny about the days of old is that that prophets weren't popular. <laughs> you know, nowadays prophets are popular. You know, it's a prophetic conference. Everybody comes. It's a worship conference. Nobody comes. You know, but in the old days, you did uh, prophetic conferences. Everybody would come, but they come with their rocks. They come with their axes. Like a prophetic conference. Yeah, all the prophets are going to be there. Where, where are you going? I'm going to kill a prophet. That was the old days. Man, things have changed. And you'd go to these conferences, and you like, like, you call, Hey, Sarah, do you want to go to the prophetic conference with me? No! Why not? I already know what he's going to say. What's he going to say? He's coming! <laughs> we have these same prophetic conferences from my grandpa's generation. 
my grandpa went to that conference. The prophet that prophesied his coming is now dead. Guess what? He never came. How would you like it if you were at this, this conference for a whole week and every speaker was saying the same thing and it was the same thing that your grandparents heard and it never happened? That's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. Generation, come and go, come and go. And this is a generation. We just want access to God for ourselves and not have to go through a human mediator. And not have to go through a human priest. And we are terrified of the presence of God. Because the presence of God is a consuming fire that destroys everything. That you have Mount Sinai and the fire of God's burning presence. People of God want nothing to do with it. They said, send Moses. Send Moses, our human mediator. That you have, you have a generation that longs to be back in the garden going for intimate walks with the Creator. But you have a generation that's terrified of its Creator. Are you seeing? Are you feeling the parallels? Do you feel the tension of where we are at as a generation and feeling the similarities that they felt even before Christ? And what's so fascinating in the garden in the garden, that God looks at Adam and God is like, it is not going to be good for this dude to be alone. Right? So I will make him a helpmate. He said, I will make him a helper. It's not good for this guy. How many of you know, still this day, it's not good for guys to be alone. Amen. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that after the fall and after the coming coming Redeemer, Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And Jesus models ministry. Jesus models restoration. Jesus says, hey, you see, when I heal these blind eyes, you know what I'm doing? I'm taking you back to the garden because in the garden all eyes can see. That, 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 that Jesus said, hey, you see, when, I'm he- when I healed Lazarus, I wasn't just trying to impress you. That when I, when I said Lazarus, come forth, you guys remember that? It's like Jesus is like, hey, guys, remember when I raised that guy from the dead? He'd been dead for a long time. Like, you, you know, he was already starting to get kind of stinky. You guys remember that? And they're like, yeah, we remember. She's like, I didn't, just, I didn't just raise somebody from the dead. I took you back to the garden because in the garden there was no death. I'm I'm giving you a taste for Genesis 1. I'm giving you a taste for the end, for the restoration of all things, that all miracles are a restoration. It's a taste. It's a Costco sample. I know you guys have Costco's, but does Canada have Costco samples? Okay, that's good, because there are some differences between our Costco and your Costco, and I'd have to... I'd have to quietly judge Canadian Costco's if you get the samples. Okay. That miracles are a kingdom sample of the era to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is what Jesus wanted. And then Jesus models it. And everyone's like, oh, this is incredible. Jesus like, begins to empower him. But then Jesus said, hey, this is what I want you guys to do, the 12 of you. I want you to go into the entire world <laughs> and make disciples of nations. But before you do, you need to know this. It's not good for you guys to be alone. Do you guys even see this? He takes them back to the garden encounter. He says, I want you to wait because the Lord is going to send. And he uses the same word. I'm going to send you a help, a help me. I'm going to send you a helper. Wow, this is crazy. So they go to the upper room. And what are they doing? They're waiting. They're waiting. Waiting for, waiting for, for, for the helper to come. They're waiting for God to come. 
It's how you know that the Holy Spirit is God. And it says in Acts chapter 2 that there came a sound like a wind. It wasn't a wind. It was a sound like a mighty, it was like a mighty rushing wind. But it wasn't a wind. How do you know? Because it was God. It, we see in Acts chapter 2 the great journey of God from heaven to earth coming like a wind. He didn't blow through the room because a wind blows through the room. No, God settled in the room. Then, in the midst of the room, came a flame. The flame divided. There were 120 people in the room. Women, children, men. 120 of them. The flame divided up. This is like a movie. You, you, we see this in the movies when something supernatural appears and then it divides. And then they all begin levitating in the air, right? All, all these things hover. They're waiting. The sound comes. They have no other way to describe it except for it sounds like a hurricane. The hurricane of God's majestic presence. Check it out. The same terrifying human consuming fiery relational glory of God that sat down upon Mount Sinai that terrified everyone they said send Moses we want nothing to do with that that same fire came into the room but they didn't need Moses because now they had Jesus Jesus the son came down was crucified Jesus, the true and perfect Moses. And now, because of Jesus, the veil is removed. Everything is different. Now, humanity, for the very first time since the garden, is not terrified of the flame. Because the firewall has been removed. So now they know the flame did not come to kill them. The fire came to possess them. Remember in the Old Testament, we have Moses who has an encounter with the burning flame of God's relational glory in a bush, but the bush is not being consumed. From the bush comes the voice of God, and he hears his destiny. That same flame comes into the room, but does not remain as one flame. It divides up 120 times, and then it comes down upon and into everyone in the room. What's that? That's not Genesis 1. That's unprecedented. That's never happened before. We're now in the future. Yeah. yeah. The people of God became the burning bush. And from the people of God comes the voice of the Lord to a generation. And now the voice of the Lord begins to cover the earth saying, this thing is no longer Jewish. This thing is for all Nations. This thing is no longer contained to 12 tribes. This thing is now about every single nation, every single person, and not just for people. This presence is for the restoration of all creation because all creation is groaning and waiting for the encounter with God that brings restoration. And that's what brings us to this moment, this period of time that we're not waiting. We're, you're not here to hear a prophet say, don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. You guys, it's coming. You know, like we should host a conference called It's Coming because we don't need that conference. You want to know why? Because it's not an it. It's not coming. It's a him. And he came. 
He fulfilled all of those prophetic words. Isaiah, Jeremiah, all, all, all he's coming, he's coming born to a virgin. He's gonna live, he's gonna die, he's gonna resurrect, he's gonna redeem. You guys, it's happened. It's happened. And here's what happens in every generation. There are people that get a revelation of what's available. And they say, I will not be content with the religious paradigm. I will settle for nothing less than God's very best. And I will believe that I have union with God right now. I, 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 will, I will believe, I will state, there is therefore now firewalls. I have complete access that we are back in the garden. But if you don't know, then you won't believe and you won't have any sort of expectations. And you will just continue to live in a BC world. So many people still live in a before Christ world world and they have the Holy Spirit you guys and they speak in tongues and they but what are they doing they're still waiting for it to come and it's not an it it's a him and he came and now he's waiting on a generation who will believe who will believe and when we say I don't feel it but I will believe it. I'm not experiencing the Google. I'm not experiencing Genesis 1 reality. But this is what I know. He died so that this place could be restored. So I'm going to err on the side of faith. I'm going to talk differently. I'm going to live differently. And I'm going to pretend like there's no firewall. I am going to pretend. My dad, um, my dad was an incredible minister. He went to be with the Lord back in 2016. My aunt, um, unbeliever, had cancer all through her body. All through her body. Horrible pain, horrible discomfort. And um, I was there, and uh, how many of you know that it's awkward praying for relatives that aren't even Christian? I mean, how many of you know, number one, it's awkward praying for relatives that are sick, really, really deathly sick? Yes. It's a lot easier to pray for people when you don't know them, yeah? When it's your family, let's just let's be honest, it's weird. Yeah? Now you know it's really weird when they don't like Jesus. <laughs> I mean, don't like him really at all. And this is what my dad said. I think there's something here, you guys. He said, I want you to pretend that God's going to heal you today. I want you to pretend like in a moment I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to pretend that his presence is going to... I just want you to pretend with me. Just pretend. You know how to imagine, right? I just want you to use your imagination. Just pretend. She goes, I can do that. And he began to pray. And the presence of the Lord came into the room. And she began to feel the fire of God go over her. And, she, and the, the description of what she experienced. But when she was done praying, she was completely healed of cancer. She's still alive to this day. She had... Um, she had tumors all through her body. There's no way that, 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 that she could live. And there's no there's no cancer in her body before they healed. That's awesome. The Lord took her back to the garden. What would happen if you would if you and I just began to pretend that we are living in the greatest time in human history? Now, I can't believe the things that Bobby Connor has the audacity to say. You know, he, he says the craziest thing, but he doesn't say that it's coming in the future. He says it's, it's available right now. It's available right now. And here's the thing. You will trigger religious spirits. You will, people will be like, oh, he's saying, he, the, you, you hear the thing? Ah. You know, why is it that when we strive, we, we, we do a lot of striving, oh, 
People love that. That's great. But you get up and smile and say, Jesus is here. He's going to do miracles tonight. And people go, I, I can't say that. I can't say that. Can't do that. Or you say, these are, the, these are the days of revival. The spirit of Jesus is in the area. All things are possible for those who believe tonight. You, we start talking that way. Heaven's going to come tonight. The angels are going to sing with us. We begin framing things with our words. And all of a sudden, we're saying stuff that we don't even believe. But heaven begins to show up and confirm what we're stating. I meet with a lot of different marriages. It's so funny. Like People will say negative things all the time and not mean it. All the time. I met with a marriage one time. I met with a marriage. I met with a couple. They had a big fight. And they said some stuff. This poor couple. The stuff that they said when they were fighting. And so I broke it. I said, you said what? And then I asked them, did you even mean that? Nope, I didn't mean it. Then why did you say it? Because I was angry. I asked her, you said that? Yeah. Did you mean that? Nope, I didn't mean it. Then why did you say it? Because I was angry. And guess what? These people in a place of anger prophesied negative things that they didn't even want and every one of those things came to pass. Listen, you don't even have to believe this stuff. You err on the side of faith and you just start declaring, this is the stinking day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The glory of the Lord is going to saturate my body. My spirit is in union with the Holy Spirit. There's no separation between the spirit of Darren and the Holy Spirit. I am being renewed. I'm being made right. That even right now, the glory of God is coming up out of the Holy Spirit into my spirit, saturating up through my soul right now. That even my mind, my will, my emotions are being renewed. Right now, the glory, the holiness, the integrity of Christ Jesus is renewing my mind. I'm radically different today than I was yesterday. I'm a new creation. I'm a new thing. The glory of the Lord's coming from my soul, from my spirit up into my body. He's renewing my muscles. He's renewing my blood right now. My blood is being purified. My muscles are being purified. I even declare um, acceleration to my metabolism right now. I declare a restoration to all my levels of testosterone, estrogen, everything that's out of whack is going to come and into his right alignment. I declare in the glory I will not age. I declare in the glory my cells are being renewed. I engage with the blood of Jesus, which is the DNA of God. His blood and my blood are one. I thank you, Father, for your record of perfection that identifies me. I thank you that through my hands, the fire and lightnings of God will be released, that through my voice, that the very voice of the Lord will, will be released, that my breath is the breath of God, that I am part of the body of Christ, that I will extend the glory and majesty of Christ. I thank you, Father, that as I walk into my workplace, I will create a contrasting atmosphere. I will not walk into my workplace alone. I will come in with the host of heaven. I know I at least have 5,000 angels that have been assigned to me. I thank you, Father, I'm walking into my workplace with the host of heaven. Every demon's going to run for the fire exits. It's going to run. Yep, 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 yep. I'm going to go into regions and the spirit of lust is going to flee. The spirit of suicide is going to flee because I am there. I thank you, Father, that I I am, the, I am the Christian that the devil has been warning people about. I thank you, Father. I am a revivalist. I'm a catalyst. Reinhard Bonnke's kind of cool. But I am this new thing, new creation, reality. Father, I thank you that people don't know who I am. I can go to the supermarket and people 
people don't rec people aren't harassing me. Lord, I thank you, Father, for, for this brilliant place that I am in you and you are in me. I don't have to compare myself to other people. I am mighty in Christ Jesus. I am a solution person. I'm not a problem person. I'm not a complainer. I am a praiser. I am a I am a heralder of the thanksgiving and the glory of the Lord. This earth was pretty rough until I was born, and now I am here for such a time as this. The Lord has given me an anointing of redemption. The Lord has given me an anointing of restoration. The Lord has given me an anointing to connect with others, to bring strength and healing and rest. Thank you, Father, that you have given me eyes to see that which is to come and that which used to be. The creation groans and waits for the revealing of me. I'm a son of God. And that's what we're talking about. You're not just changing atmospheres. You're creating something even internally. You're practicing the presence inside of your physical temple. You're practicing the presence within your soul. You're practicing the, the presence within your physical body. Things are changing. Your, your own levels are changing. How many know that when you are administrating kingdom realities in your own temple, that believing for healing for somebody else is really easy? And that the, that the day, I'm telling you, the, uh, the, the day is coming when healing evangelists won't be sick anymore. Because they are, they are administrating kingdom realities within their own, there's gonna, I'm telling you, there's going to be a generation that walks in divine health. They don't just release divine health, there's going to be a generation that walks it, because they're walking in the garden. And when you're walking in the garden, you won't get sick. And when you're walking in the garden, you won't be making unwise choices because you're walking with wisdom in the garden. The, the, what I'm talking about right now, these are the days of the unprecedented. These are the things, these are the greater things. When Jesus says that there will be a generation that does greater things than the things that I have done. I believe that we're having conversations right now. We're talking about the possibilities. We're reading the word differently. Yeah. And when we, you know, it's so funny because um, I always was taught, I had really good, Pastor Alfred would be proud of me. Um, a lot of my Bible training was done through uh, Reformed theologians. I am, my Bible schooling, my degree was through the Assemblies of God. But the majority of the, of the teaching that I consumed was from Reformed theologians and Reformed pastors. I, I loved it. I uh, I, I, I loved, I, I would read Calvin and Spurgeon and, and then uh, of course I'd go to conferences with John Piper and C.J. Mahaney and all these reformed guys that aren't talking about, you know, a lot of these guys have actually changed a bit, you know. But my Bible school and teaching taught me when you read the word, find Jesus in the word. So every sermon I would preach for my whole pastoral career and this is good training. Like if I was going to teach, yeah, this is really good training. When you read the word, find Jesus in the word. When you read Jonah, you're not reading about Jonah. You're reading about a type and shadow of Jesus, that Jesus was. The, when you read Job, Job wasn't the, uh, the innocent sufferer. It was a shadow of Jesus, the true and perfect innocent sufferer who would come. Like, right? Good training. And then I, then I heard this guy speak, this heretic named Mark Sharona. Have you guys heard of this guy? Stay away from him. He's dangerous. He said, when you read the Bible, find the Son. That's what I believe. Who's the Son? It's Jesus. Yeah? Awesome. No. Wrong. 
When you read, he, this is what he said. He started teaching sonship. The message, we've all heard sonship. Message of Jack Frost, uh, Toronto Blessing, all these. Usually sonship, the, the, the sonship message is all about inner healing and forgiving your biological father not ever taking you to the baseball game. You know, like, and here's Mark Sharona. And, um, and he said, no, no, no. The message of sonship goes even further and deeper beyond inner healing. When you read the Bible, Find the son. And he used the story. He had a verse. It's good when people use the Bible. He, he used the story when Jesus came into the temple. And, and he read um, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. You guys know? And when Jesus was done, it says, and he rolled up the scroll. And he said, I'm it. And he, and this is what Mark said. This is the model for us as the sons of God. That when you unroll the scroll, you find out where you're at in the story, and you say, Amen. All of creation is groaning and waiting for the revealing of the sons of God that wake up one day and they read the Bible differently and they say, Oh, wait, this isn't about the one that is to come. This is about me here and now. If not us, then who? And if not now, then when? <laughs> the end. <laughs> podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review, if you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's the Darren Show. Com. That's the Darren Show. Com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.